0: Chapter two of California Sketches by Oscar Penn Fitzgerald. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter two Sisah I first noticed him one night at prayer meeting at Sonora in the Southern Mines in eighteen fifty five. He came in timidly and took a seat near the door. His manner was reverent, and he watched the exercises with curious interest, his eyes following every gesture of the preacher, and his ears losing not a word that was said or sung. I was struck with his peculiar physiognomy, as he sat there with his thin, swarthy face, his soft, sad, black eyes, and long, black hair. I could not make him out. He might be Mexican, Spanish, Portuguese, Kanaka, or what not. He waited until I passed out at the close of the meeting, and, bowing very humbly, placed half a dollar in my hand and walked away. This happened several weeks in succession, and I noticed him at church on Sunday evenings. He would come in after the crowd had entered, and take his place near the door. He never failed to hand me the half-dollar at the close of every service, his dark, wistful-looking eyes lighting up with pleasure as I took the coin from his hand he never waited to talk but hurried off at once my curiosity was excited and i began to feel a special interest in this strange-looking foreigner i was sitting one morning in the little room on the hillside which was at once dining-room parlor bedchamber and study when lifting my eyes a moment from the book i was reading there stood my strange foreigner in the door come in i said kindly making profound salams he rushed impulsively toward me exclaiming in broken english my good brahman my good brahman with a torrent of words i could not understand i invited him to take a seat but he declined he looked flushed and excited his dark eyes flashing i soon found that he could understand english much better than he could speak it himself what is your name i asked sissaha he answered accenting strongly the last syllable of what nation are you was my next question me Hindu, me good caste he added rather proudly after gratifying my curiosity by answering my many questions he told his business with me it was with great difficulty that i could make out what he said his pronunciation was sadly imperfect at best and when he talked himself into an excited state his speech was a curious jargon of confused and strange sounds the substance of his story was that though belonging to a caste which was above such work necessity had forced him to take the place of a cook in a miner's boarding-house at a notorious camp called aptly whiskey hill which was about three miles from sonora after six months service the proprietor of the establishment had dismissed him with no other pay than a bogus title to a mining claim when the poor fellow went to take possession the rightful owners drove him away with many blows and much of that peculiarly emphatic profanity for which california was rather noted in those early days on going back to his employer with the story of his failure to get possession of the mining claim he was driven away with cursings and threats, without a dollar for months of hard work. This was Sissaha's story. He had come to me for redress. I felt no little sympathy for him, as he stood before me, so helpless in a strange land. He had been shamefully wronged, and I felt indignant at the recital. But I told him that while I was sorry for him, I could do nothing. He had better put the case in the hands of a lawyer— I suggested the name of one. No, no, he said passionately. You, my good Brahmin, you go whiskey hill, you make Frank Powell pay me money. He seemed to think that as a teacher of religion, I must be invested also with some sort of authority in civil matters. I could not make him understand that this was not so. You ride horse, me walk, flank Powell, see my good Brahmin come, he pay money, urged Sisaha yielding to a sudden impulse i told him i would go with him he bowed almost to the floor and the tears which had flowed freely as he told his tale of wrongs were wiped away mounting dr jack franklin's sorrel horse my pen pauses as i write the name of that noble tennessean that true and generous friend i started to whiskey hill my client keeping alongside on foot As we proceeded, I could not help feeling that I was on a sort of fool's errand. It was certainly a new role for me. But my sympathy had been excited, and I fortified myself by repeating mentally all those scriptures of the Old and New Testaments which enjoin kindness to strangers. I found that Sisaha was well known in the camp, and that he was generally liked. Everybody seemed to know how he had been treated, and the popular feeling was on his side. Several parties confirmed his statement of the case in every particular. Walking along among the mining claims with a proud and confident air, he would point to me, saying, There, my good Brahmin, he make Flank Powell pay my money now. Powell is a rough customer, said a tall young fellow from New York, who stood near the trail with a pick in his hand. He will give you trouble before you get through with him. Sisaha only shook his head in a knowing way and hastened on keeping my sorrel in a brisk trot a stout and ill-dressed woman was standing in the porch of mr powell's establishment as i rode up is mr powell at home i asked yes he is in the house she said dryly scowling alternately at Sisaha and me please tell him that i would like to see him she went into the house after giving us a parting angry glance and in a few minutes mr powell made his appearance he looked the ruffian that he was all over a huge fellow with enormous breadth between the shoulders and the chest of a bull with a fiery red face blear blue eyes red at the corners coarse sandy hair and a villainous tout ensemble every way he was as bad a specimen of my kind as i had ever met what do you want with me he growled out after taking a look at us i understand i answered in my blandest tones that there has been some difficulty in making a settlement between you and this Hindu man and at his request i have come over to see if i can help to adjust it damn you said the ruffian if you come here meddling with my affairs i'll knock you off that horse he was a rough customer to look at just then "'Sisaha looked a little alarmed, and drew nearer to me. "'I looked the man in the eye, and answered, "'I am not afraid of any violence at your hands. "'You dare not attempt it. "'You have cruelly wronged this poor foreigner, and you know it. "'Every man in the camp condemns you for it, "'and is ashamed of your conduct. "'Now, I intend to see this thing through. "'I will devote a year to it, and spend every dollar I can raise, "'if necessary, to make you pay this debt.' by this time quite a crowd of miners had gathered around us and there were unmistakable expressions of approval of my speech that's the right sort of talk exclaimed a grizzly bearded man in a red shirt stand up to him parson said another there was a pause powell as i learned afterward was detested in the camp he had the reputation of a bully and a cheat i think he was likewise a coward at any rate as i warmed with virtuous indignation he cooled perhaps he did not like the expressions on the faces of the rough athletic men standing around what do you want me to do he asked in a sullen tone i want you to pay this man what you owe him i answered the negotiations begun thus unpromisingly ended very happily after making some deduction on some pretext or other the money was paid much to my relief and the joy of my client Mr. Powell indulged in no parting courtesies, nor did he tender me the hospitalities of his house. I have never seen him from that day to this. I have never wished to renew his acquaintance. Sisaha marched back to Sonora in triumph. A few days after the Whiskey Hill adventure, as I was sitting on the rear side of the little parsonage to get the benefit of the shade, I had another visit from Sisaha he had on his shoulder a miner's pick and shovel which he laid down at my feet what is that for i asked my good brahman look at pick and shovel then no break and find heap gold said he his face full of trust and hopefulness i cast a kindly glance at the implements and did not think it worth while to combat his innocent superstition if good wishes could have brought him good luck the poor fellow would have prospered in his search after gold from that time on he was scarcely ever absent from church services never omitting to pay his weekly half-dollar more than once i observed the tears running down his cheeks as he sat near the door eye and ear all attent to the service a day or two before my departure for conference at the end of my two years in sonora Sisaha made me a visit. He looked sad and anxious. "'You'll go away?' he inquired. "'Yes, I must go,' I answered. "'You no come back, Sonora?' he asked. "'No, I cannot come back,' I said. He stood a moment, his chest heaving with emotion, and then said, "'Me go with you. Me live where you live. Me die where you die.' Almost the very words of the fair young Moabite. Sisaha went with us—' how could i refuse to take him at san jose he lived with us doing our cooking nursing our little paul and making himself generally useful he taught us to love curry and to eat cucumbers hindu fashion that is stewed with veal or chicken he was the gentlest and most docile of servants never out of temper and always anxious to please little paul was very fond of him and often he would take him off in his baby wagon and they would be gone for hours together he never tired of asking questions about the christian religion and manifested a peculiar delight in the words and life of jesus one day he came into my study and said me want you to make me christian i can't make you a christian jesus can do it i answered he looked greatly puzzled and troubled at this reply but when i had explained the whole matter to him he brightened up and intimated that he wanted to join the church i enrolled his name as a probationer and his delight was unbounded one day Sisaha came to me all smiling and said me want to give all the preachers one big dinner very well i answered i will let you do so how many do you want me want heap preachers table all full he said he gave me to understand that the feast must be altogether his own his money must buy everything even to the salt and pepper for seasoning the dishes he would use nothing that was in the house but bought flour fowls beef vegetables confectionery coffee tea everything for the great occasion he made a grand dinner not forgetting the curry and with a table full of preachers to enjoy it he was a picture of happiness his dark face beamed with delight as he handed around the viands to the smiling and appreciative guests he had some hindu notion that there was great merit in feasting so many belonging to the brahman caste to him the dinner was a sort of sacrifice most acceptable to heaven my oriental domestic seemed very happy for some months and became a general favourite on account of his gentle manners docile temper and obliging disposition his name was shortened to tom by the popular usage and under the instructions of the mistress of the parsonage he began the study of english poor fellow he never could make the sound of f or z the former always turning to p and the latter to g upon his tongue i believe there are no p's or g's in the hindustani A change came over Sisaha. He became all at once moody and silent. Several times I found him in tears. Something was the matter with him. That was clear. One afternoon the secret came out. He came into my room. There were traces of tears on his cheeks. I go away. Can't stay with my potter. Father, no more, he said with a quiver in his voice. Why? What is the matter? I asked debil in here he answered touching his forehead debil tell me drink whiskey? me no drink where my potter stay so must go why i did not know you ever drank whiskey. where did you learn that i asked me drink with the boys at flank powell's drink beer and whiskey. no drink for long time but debil in here touching his forehead say must drink he was a picture of shame and grief as he stood there before me how hard he must have fought against the appetite for strong drink since he had been with me and how full of shame and sorrow he was to confess his weakness to me he told me all about it how he had been treated to beer and whisky by the good-natured miners and how the taste for liquor had grown on him and how he had resisted for a time and how he had at last yielded to the feeling that the devil was too strong for him that the devil was in it he seemed to have no doubt and truly it was so the cruellest deadliest of devils the devil of drink as a hindu in his own country no strong drink had ever passed his lips the fiery potations of whiskey hill were too much for him you could pray sissiha me pray all night but devil too strong me must drink whiskey he said vehemently he left us the parting was very sad to him and us he had a special cry over little paul you my potter to me you my mutter to my wife i go but me pack you both always in my belly we could but smile through our tears the poor fellow meant to say he would still bear us in his grateful heart in his wanderings after a few months he came to see us he looked seedy and sad He had found employment, but did not stay long at a place. He had stopped a while with a Presbyterian minister in the Sacramento Valley, and was solicited by him to join the church. "'Me tell him no,' he said, his eyes flashing. "'Me tell him my potter done make me Christian. Me no want to be made Christian again.' The poor fellow was true to his first love, sad Christian as he was. "'Me drink no whiskey for four, five week. Me now try to stop.' give me prayer to say when devil get in here touching his head that was what he had come for chiefly i gave him the form of a short and simple prayer he repeated it after me in his way until he had it by heart and then he left once or twice a year he came to see us and always had a pathetic tale to tell of his struggles with strong drink and the greed and violence of men who were tempted to oppress and maltreat a poor creature whose weakness invited injustice he told us of an adventure when acting as a sheepherder in southern california whither he had wandered a large flock of sheep which he had in charge had been disturbed in the corral a couple of nights in succession on the third night hearing a commotion among them he sprang up from his bunk and rushed out to see what was the matter but let him tell the story me run out to see what's matter stars shine bright me get into corral sheep all very much scared and very much run and very much jump big black bear jump over corral fence and come right for me me so frightened me know nothing but raise my arms and run at bear and say e prolonging the shrill scream and becoming terribly excited as he went on well how did it end i asked me scream so loud that bear gets scared too and he turn run very fast jump over corral and run away we did not doubt this story the narration was too vivid to have been invented and that scream was enough to upset the nerves of any grizzly we got to looking for him at regular intervals he would bring candies and little presents for the children and would give a tearful recital of his experiences and take a tearful leave of us he was fighting his enemy and still claiming to be a christian he said many things which showed that he had thought earnestly and deeply on religious subjects and he would end by saying jesus help me jesus help me he came to see us after the death of our paul and he wept when we told him how our dear boy had left us he had had a long sickness in the hospital he had before expressed a desire to go back to his own country and now this desire had grown into a passion his wan face lighted up as he looked wistfully seaward from the bay window of our cottage on the hill above the golden gate he left us with a slow and feeble step often looking back as long as he was in sight that was the lass of sisaha i know not whether he is in hindustan or the World of Spirits End of chapter 2